Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. All right, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the dads. And uh, it's so great to be together. Um, Very, very cool. Thanks to everybody. A great service already. Uh, It is an incredible honour and privilege to celebrate dads. And uh, so all the dads, uh, we just honour you, celebrate you today. Uh, I became a dad in 2002. And then again in 03, 05, 07, and then in 2010. I'm not exactly sure when I became a father. It could have been 2002. I don't really know. But I know that there is a difference between the two. Uh, One is obviously a... um, you know, a biological uh, moment in time. The other is more a heart um, moment. I love what Ashley was just sharing there. I'm sure we're going to share similar um, thoughts. But for the first time, I don't remember ever doing this before Brent in this format. But we are going to share just some key thoughts or key kind of themes around fatherhood because it is such a massive, massive key. I think it's a key not only to our own families' uh, lives, but society at large. So it's very exciting to be able to do this with yeah, you. Awesome. Yeah, Brent. it's great, eh? It should be good. It should be fun. Morning, everybody. So we're going to get through as much as we can. And uh, so if you... Yeah, the uh, burgers want... are burning, apparently. We've <laughs> are been they? given the word. We're going to... Believe it or not, we've got burgers for... Who have we got them for, Jared? Who's... Everyone. Did the dads get more? Or they got something else special? They're about to get something special, so that's good. Okay, so here they are, the short um, short takeaways, but for all the dads f- to be fathers, we're just talking about fatherhood today. So first of all, a father's role is to be a giver of identity. At some point in 2023, the most asked question that we never thought we'd ask, I think by now we thought we'd be on Mars, but we're actually asking questions. This was the question, what is a woman? Uh, our Prime Minister was I wrote it down verbatim because it was unbelievable. His answer when asked the question was, um, ha, ah, uh, I have to be honest, Sean, that, that, that question has come slightly out of left field for me. Um, the, well, biology, sex, gender, people define themselves, people define their own genders. And by the time these clips have made their way all around the world, uh, other leaders, world leaders had sorted it out. They'd said basically, a woman is an adult female. But even that is a cop-out because instinctly it is a human experience to try to understand our identity. Identity affects every single one of us in every aspect of our life. Who am I? Where am, why am I here? Where am I going next? And if dads do not understand their role in this, how can our kids? So a further, father's purpose in God is actually to be a giver of identity. And I'm not now just talking about the gender wars that are out there and all of that aspect. Adam was God's first human creation, created solely from the dust of the earth in his breath. And then when God created Eve and everyone else, how did it happen? He took the rib from Adam to create Eve and the rest of humanity. So I actually see my role as a husband and as a father to actually be an image bearer and a supplier of image to my family. You're you're like, man, that's high and mighty. No, I don't decide who they're gonna be, that's God. But I partner in God as a father like Adam did 
and actually providing something from myself so that they can see who they're meant to be. I try to tell my daughters they're beautiful, amazing, talented. You can be an entrepreneur, you can be a ministry, you can do whatever you wanna do, whatever it is, we're gonna back you 100%. Try and tell my sons they're strong, they're talented, they're made for adventure, they can fulfill God's promise in their life. I try to tell my wife she is all that I want and all that I need and I know not to mess with her. Can anyone say amen? But I do it. I don't let culture do it. I don't let somebody else do it. I do it. I am here to provide something of myself, that rib, for, their, to, for them to know their specialness and for them to know their identity. And it actually creates security and connection. That's what it does. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said, hey, you guys could have 10,000 teachers. There's a lot of people who can teach you about life, but you have very few fathers. And he said, a father is someone who leads you to Christ and takes responsibility for you. He's speaking about spiritual fathers. But I believe in it, we can understand dads, that fathering is 10,000 more times times more powerful than just being information givers about life. What is the key? Taking responsibility, connecting, cheering on, correcting, protecting, encouraging, lifting up and pushing forward into their destiny and their call. And so to do that, I think dads also have to understand grace because it's our heavenly father who's gracious to us with our identity to actually understand he's merciful to us. When we go wrong, when we make wrong choices, What is our Heavenly Father doing? He's there with open arms, ready to receive us always. That's the gospel. So fathers, if we wanna be fathers who aren't just dads, but great providers, great fathers, then you're actually here to provide something of yourself, your time, your heart, your energy, your own words, your affirmation, to explain to your kids and to your family who they are in God. Take responsibility, enjoy doing it, use your words, Look to God, trust Him in your own life, get that sense of your own life of who you are, as Ashley was saying, and give that identity. And I just wanna say um, to any dads here who have not felt like they've done that up until this point, I do wanna mention that it's not too late. You might have regrets, but you also have the future. And you can't serve both your regrets and the future at the same time. So you're gonna have to decide. If you thought, man, there are things I should have said to my kids, spoken over my kids, and those kids are already in their 30s or 40s or 50s, it is not too late. You can actually go ahead and you can be a provider of identity from who you are in Jesus' name. Wow, that's good. A lot of good stuff there. Um, Even the question, eh, what is a woman, is kind of out there, isn't it? Even having to ask that question, that it's actually a question now in our current culture. And I think that, um, you know, raising up our... Children, uh, like for example, uh, my kids are in their 30s, well, close to 30 for Crystal, and then Jared's coming on 31 tomorrow. Tomorrow. Happy happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. But there is, uh, you know, things seem to change over time, like what we did 20 years ago or 30 years ago in raising our kids. Um, what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable because, you know, smacking was acceptable then. Oh, yeah, we loved it. <laughs> we loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. embraced it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but now, of course, that, that's not acceptable. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that do actually change with time yeah. and with current culture and uh, it's very easy for the kids to ring 911. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they threaten to anyway. Have you had your kids threaten you about, you when, know, going to the 
going to the cops. Well, I was trigger happy with smacking, and Rebecca was like, hey, you really should find some other ways to do it. And so then the law changed, and then I remember the first time I went to smack Ruby, she was um, 18, and I just was like, <laughs> no, no, she was still young. But she goes, if you do this, I think I had the wooden spoon like this, and she said, if you do this, I'm going to call the police. The law has changed. And I thought, thank you, Lord, I'm going to stop. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't even think the law had changed for me, but the kids still threatened to ring somebody anyway. <laughs> but uh, There's better I, ways to do it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, obviously now words are really powerful because, you know, the, the whole... Um, well, uh, well, words have always been powerful. Uh, and I think that from a dad's perspective in regards to our children is understanding that they need affirmation. So boys need affirmation and girls need... Aff- they both need affirmation. And when we rip into them or when we criticise them, we're really damaging something deep within them, even when we don't know it. And I think even sarcasm and, you know, sarcasm as well with all of that can be uh, pretty damaging for kids. I think that there is um, power in our words, or we know there's power in our words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I think that's really, um, we, we've got to really take that to heart when we're, when we're parenting, when we have uh, children, and also for me, you know, grandchildren as well, uh, around my life. And, and so it's really, really being aware of that. Uh, I think as dads, we, we need to listen to our children, not just see them as a little bit of an extra thing on the side, <laughs> um, but to actually, you know, take them as, as value, that they are valued and they are loved. And the way that you actually need to show that is actually by, I think one of the ways is by listening to them. Focus what's on, on what's important. Focus on what your child thinks. Do you know what your child thinks? Do you know what your child believes? Do you know what your child feels? Do you know what dreams your children really uh, have and hold on to? And uh, rather than, you know, rather than how they look, I think it's really important. Um, be focused on the deeper things than on the looks side of thing. I think that they're bombarded enough with how they're meant to look and how they're not meant to look. Um, we have profound, as, as parents, we have profound influence on how our child views themselves. When you value your child for their true self, you give them confidence to use their talents and their gifts for the world. They are world changers, and you've got to see them like that. Um, uh, and I think number two is respect their uniqueness. Why isn't my kid like that kid? You know, uh, all of that sort of thing. You've got to respect their uniqueness. They are unique. See your child as a whole person, capable of anything, and make sure you know that's how you see them. Make sure they know that's how you see them. Your child is likely to choose a life partner who acts like you and has your values. So treat them and those they love with respect. That will help your child choose someone who respects and nourishes them long after they have left home. Did did any of your kids ever go, um, Jared's the favourite? Or did Jared ever go, Crystal's the favourite? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, there was always that banter. Um, Crystal would always say Jared was the favourite. Jared would probably always say Crystal was the favourite. Because you're I mentioning, never walk around saying I'm the favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but anyway, it's quite interesting because um, ours, ours did it as well. There was there's certainly someone in the mix that people thought was the favourite. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, not comparing our kids to other kids, there's a danger even within our own nuclear yeah. space to never ever offset one because they're more like you, or you understand them better, or you, w- whatever it is. And so how did you do that? How did you 
like keep the specialness for each of them being well, different? I mean, different personalities. So you've got to learn how to how to. In fact, we were talking at Connect Group on Monday night about love languages. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just understanding your children's love language and working through the the, the dynamics of that um, and, and being able to appeal. Yeah. To that side of them, so that their love tank is always full, right? Team, connect group, team. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Good. All right. And uh, and so it's really, really important to understand their uniqueness in regards to that. They are different. They're not the same. And it's amazing, isn't it? How they all come from the same place, if you know what I mean. But they are t- totally different. So different. You got so five different. kids. They're all different, right? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? You think one or two would be different? Yeah. They're all different. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, I love that. I love that whole thought around your words. I'm going to say a few things now about s- s- maybe some of the challenge around fathers. Mm. Our identity as men being emasculated. Um, that is, we're actually by God given the right to give an example for life. Um, this is one of the scariest Bible verses you'll ever read, dads. Children's children are a crown to the age. Proverbs seventeen six, meaning grandchildren are the grandparents' crown because they can see now some of the, you know, this is reward time, isn't it? But parents are the pride of their children. The Amplified says it like this, and the glory of children is in their fathers. That scripture is basically the opposite of how the world works. Why? Because in the world, a lot of parents use their children to rely on their their children as a source of their own pride. So how they're doing in their life and where they're at and whether they're, you know, achieving. And sadly, it actually creates a lot of issues, a lot of issues. I, I get blown away by all five of our kids. I think they're just amazing individuals. But about seven or eight years ago, the Lord showed me this verse. And I'm going to say a couple of things. And I, I guess it's by a, a scriptural pre- precedent, not a worldly one. Parents, on the most part, are meant to not be an embarrassment to their kids. (laughs) Is God an embarrassment to us? No. Um, Nor are parents meant to just be neutrally footed for their kids. In other words, they're just kind of barely getting by. And I know we, we say things like, well, if you didn't have a good dad, we've got our heavenly father. And that is so true. But that, I think, for the church has been a cop out sometimes. Because fathers, actually, there's something in us as men that we want to aspire we want, to, um, we want to actually strive to achieve something of purpose. So dads, you are meant to be the pride of your children, meaning um, your kids can see some things in you happening that they're like shivers. That's what being 30 or in your 30s looks like. That's what it looks like to be in your 40s. That's what it looks like to be in your 50s. I've got a parent who's in, about to be in their 70s very soon. So it's going to be an example for me. And I, I think that's a huge, huge challenge. What does fun look like? What does laughter look like? What does dealing with loss and grief look like? What does adventure look like? What does mission and calling and moving in the things of God look like? What does making goals, having a dream? What does negotiating look like? What does like, looking after your finances so it becomes generational wealth look like? The answer is whatever your father shows you. <laughs> so it works in the negative as well, doesn't it? It works that kids go the way of the father often. So if that's the case, it, uh, we've got to give great examples. And you might be here like me listening and thinking about this, thinking shivers. 
how am I meant to do that? Like, I've got enough on my plate. Well, I want to give you one simple key, and it's um, something even we've been talking through as a staff, and that is this, that as, as men, fathers, never get to the point in your life where you feel as though you've arrived, but instead have a desire and a hunger to keep growing. If you have a growth mindset, that every day of your life, every season of your life, even if it's tough and God's showing you things, teaching you things, Luke 2.52 about Jesus said he grew in wisdom and stature in favour with God and with man. He just didn't arrive at it. He grew in it, Jesus did. A growth mindset says every day of my life, I'm gonna do something in my own life so I can be more like Jesus, deal with my internal world and actually aim to live a life that brings God glory. Here's the thought. The life God gave you is His gift to you. But what you do with it is your gift to Him and to others. So get a growing mindset. Keep growing, even at this stage of your life. Why? Because the generations are watching on and the parents are meant to be the glory of their children. Huge challenge, I know, but it's, oh, I, I it needs to be awesome said. Because I was just thinking about that. I thought, you know, we could sit here as, um, as dads who prob- or, or as you know, men or women who haven't had good dads and we can we can reflect on all that's being said from a victim's perspective. Yeah. But in actual fact, no, you've got an opportunity to be a victor. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. Like it doesn't matter the way that you've grown up grown up and 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 what you've thought. And it does does matter to a point, but it shouldn't rule you and it that's shouldn't right. control you. The, yeah. the negativity, the doesn't negative side of things. Allow it to actually do a work within you that helps you to be a victor rather than a victim so that you, be, you know, because you can become a great dad or you can become a great mum. Whatever, whatever is there for you in the future, yeah. you can be there and you can break the cycle of your own family. Awesome. So I think it's, you know, keep, keep positive in regards. Like this is an opportunity to teach, right? This is, you don't get many environments like this where you can actually just sit down and have chew the fat on some things in regards to, hey, what's parenting all about? And so I think you've got to take it with both hands and really um, run with it if you can, you know, and don't allow it, don't, don't allow that victim mindset just to shut you down and, uh, and you know, and get all those UBFs, come, unbearable feelings coming in. If they are, you need to arrest those, take them into captivity and bring them to obedience to Christ because God wants you to be awesome, awesome fathers. You know, uh, it's, it's a uh, endangered species now. Fatherhood is an endangered species. In fact, I remember preaching in the year 2000, which is 23 years ago, about the next, the next century being fatherless. And uh, it was, wasn't really a prophecy, but to be honest, it's pretty much you know, come to reality, hasn't it? We are a fatherless generation. And, uh, and so there's a lot of things that we need to really embrace. Because when you have a child, you don't suddenly get a handbook. Yeah, fully. Right? No manual. Uh, how do we do this? And I think it's just good moments like this to where we just give some input. Okay, so I want to talk about, I want to talk about the power of the hug, if that's all right. It's something that's been pretty dear to me. I've had to learn to do this because it hasn't been necessarily totally natural for me. But the power of the hug, I, I, um, the information that's out there in regards to that for your children, hugging your children is so important. Um, and, uh, and particularly important for your daughters. For those of you who have daughters, it's really, really important. 
And, and the big question always comes as well, you know, is, well, you know, my, my kids are more like, you know, wanting me to serve them or to give them gifts or, but there's actually something really powerful about the hug. And I know that not everybody has that love language of touch, but it's interesting that the Bible says that if there is someone sick, make sure you lay hands on them. Why? Because there's something powerful about it. That even we, we're learning to understand it, but we don't really understand it. There's uh, the, the power of, of the touch, and, uh, and particularly loving touch, uh, and what that actually means. And medical science still continue to discover new positive effects of touch at, a, you know, in the, at an increasing rate. Touch is one of the loudest ways to communicate love, acceptance, and security. Uh, when, when, when loving touch is plentiful in family relationships, there's healing, health, and success that follow. This is really well-known research. When loving touch is lacking, sickness, depression, and defeat follow. Um, just the power of the hug. Hugging is very healthy. It helps the body's immune system. Believe it or not. It keeps you healthier. It cures depression and it reduces stress. It induces sleep. It is invigorating. It is rejuvenating. It has no unpleasant side effects. Hugging is nothing less than a miracle drug. Hugging is all natural. It's organic and it's naturally sweet. It contains no preservatives. It contains no pesticides and no artificial flavorings. It's 100% wholesome. Hugging is practically perfect. There are no movable parts. There's no batteries to wear out. There's no checkups that are needed. There's no monthly payments and no insurance requirements. It offers no, uh, it offers no energy consumption and it returns a high energy yield. While being inflation-proof, it's also non-fattening. Um, it's theft-proof. It's non-taxable. It's non-polluting and it's fully returnable. Okay, can I go a little bit? I just want to go a little bit deeper just for a moment because this is really interesting. When your daughter hits that age, you know that age? Some people call it puberty. Um, Okay, so she has the physiological need to tune into a male via simple, healthy, affectionate touch. The second part of this whole thinking is that if she doesn't get it from dad, she will look for it from someone else or she'll find it, try and find it elsewhere. Now look, teenage girls are generally not looking for sex. They're looking for affection. And they are often manipulated into giving sex to get affection. Boys, on the other hand, a little bit different, but we don't need to go there this morning. <laughs> but dads, we've got to safeguard our daughters by providing their need for affection in a healthy family setting. Okay, you, you're with me on this? The need for male affection starts at a physiological result uh, of, uh, of puberty. If ever a daughter needed the security of her dad's hugs, it's at that time. Yet if not forewarned, dads will subconsciously back off, 
gets a little bit awkward. The changes that this little girl is undergoing can be frightening. She's going through a physiological revolution resulting in an emotional roller coaster ride. Most men, dads, don't feel confident when emotions are involved. So what happens is they back off and they leave her to mum. The fact is that girls are undergoing this physiological revolution at the tender age of 12. Some even say, they say it even as low as nine. They don't yet have the maturity to handle the massive changes that are going on in their life. And they are frightened at being forced to grow up too soon. And again, if ever she needs her dad's security, it is then. Puberty is not something that can be fixed. Puberty is something that we as dads need to understand. And that's all she's wanting, really. Understand. Hard to understand that way. So dads need to, what you need to do, and you know, if you've got girls that are growing up around that age, you need to fight the urge to back off. You, instead, you need to wrap your arms all the way around your daughters and give them a daddy hug that communicates safety, security, and love. That's the best way known to protect, to protect our daughters from premarital sex, the power of the hug. Uh, but I, I think, you know, you're, you're talking about a hug, but what we're, what we're talking about is that provider of identity, the provider of safety, yeah, absolutely. the provider of security. So we've yep. got to, rather than back off, we've got to get a little bit over how we feel. Yeah. And, and what would you say to anyone who really is a struggle? How do they navigate the questions of how to, how to get through it? Yeah, that idea of security, that idea of a dad's hug, it is, it is the closeness and it's the, I don't know, there is something powerful about it. Like, yeah, you can, you can handle the love languages and do all of that, but the hug, there is something very powerful about it. It does fix things. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about from an appropriate hug. I'm talking about sure. from a dad to a to a daughter, or you know, keeping it within the family. Yeah, I, th- um, I think that Rebecca's hel- Rebecca helped me to understand how to interact with the girls as they got older. It was a convo, and that might be a key for people um, yep. to talk to your your wife. And if you, I wanted to celebrate um, some dads who are actually fathering alone, who yep. you know, either through separation or through whatever. I just wanted to honour you, dads. Um, I know there's, I know one in particular. Actually, I know a couple here today. And I just wanted to say, you guys, um, you're legends. That is a huge gig. I just, you're doing a huge, thanks for making people proud. Um, hey, Jared, I text you, I don't know if you got my text, but the clock has adjusted itself differently. What time are we meant to be done? <laughs> yeah, real different. It's gone a bit funky. Can you just tell me what time we're meant to be done? Have we, are we, we right finish. now? Yeah. Five minutes. Okay, well, I'll just say something for two minutes. Dads, we're meant to be spiritual leaders in our homes. Revelation 1, verse 5 to 6. To him, Jesus, who loved us, who forgave us and freed us from our sins, he has, listen, made us kings and priests. Guys, I want to say this. A king, that's what we are in Jesus, rules and leads and governs well. A priest is anointed to minister to God and minister for God. I'm going to say a couple of things that you might not have thought of, but you are the pastor of your home. We are not. The pastors of each local congregation, they're charged with larger groups, 
but every dad is called to be the pastor of your home. Now that is a huge challenge because sometimes we aren't sure about that. We're not sure about our own spiritual capabilities. Um, I just think our role is to try, I don't know if you like this language or not, but break the ice when it comes to spiritual things. So you just say, like the best way to think about it is if you've got young kids, dads, you're like a kid's pastor. You've got the basic things, stories of the Bible and fun. If you've got teenage kids, you're, you're like a youth pastor. So you're getting into the deeper things of life and God and questions and also power of God. So you're laying hands and you're expecting the Holy Spirit to move in their lives. If we've got adult kids, we've got now a couple of adult kids, we're now dealing with people who are maturing in their call. So we're now to be actual providers of spiritual nutrients to help them continue in their walk. So um, dads, I would say one of the reasons why mums have had to lead spiritually more in the homes than they probably have needed to is because the dads just won't play ball. Here's the answer to it. The answer is to actually get yourself to a place with Jesus where you're free, you know who you are in Christ, and then just say out loud, break the ice and say, hey guys, we should pray. If there's an issue, pray. And then you say at the end of the prayer, hey Judah, why don't you pray now? Or Saskia, why don't you pray now? That's pastoring, it's empowering. And if you love Jesus, more is caught than taught. So your family's gonna really get that on flow. Have a passion for the Word of God. It's, it's a compass. Without the Word of God, we've got no true north in our home. We might have a true north in this home, but it's in our home for identity, for societal issues, for challenges, eternity. So, yeah, I, I know you're like, oh, I don't know if I can. Just find small ways to begin. That's what I did. In fact, with us, I was like, we should have a prayer time with the kids. They were always train wrecks. The kids started crying and it was just bananas. And it was like, I was trying to be quite spiritual. But I think it actually just needs to be natural. Sure, pray for them at bedtime. You pray for them. You speak to them about what God's speaking to you about. Lead spiritually. Because if you're not going to be the pastor of your home, your home's probably going to be missing one. So I, I encourage you to be a spiritual leader in your own family. And it's not too late. If you didn't do it, it's not too late. You can start asking God for input for your adult kids, share verses, encouragements, whatever it is with them. I think that's good. I mean, that's really the crux of the whole message. The whole of our life really is actually including God in yeah. everything that we do. Yeah, just naturally. Yeah, yeah. because I, I don't know why, but for us guys, like I know Viv, for a long time, she would say, come on, we need to pray about that. We need to, you know, uh, get God factor into that. And I was a little bit kind of sheepish around that. I don't know why. Just didn't feel manly enough or something. I don't know. But then I realised, hang on a minute, you know, Christ is in the centre of our marriage and of our life. Then there must be, must be a, a way that I can actually help lead, yeah. not just Viv leading all the time, but actually me leading as well. And it was quite a journey, really, to really get to grips with. Okay, let's pray. Yeah. Okay, let's let's you know what. Let's let's read the word. Or let, let's let's do something mm. that that en- enhances or embraces the spiritual dynamics of our life because it's it's not easy and it, it's not easy for a lot of guys to do that. Like, I don't know why it is, but we just I think we're so self confident and 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 it's not that we we know we need we know we need God, uh, but to actually call upon Him 
in moments when we really need Him together as a family can be a real, real tough, tough nut to crack. <laughs> and, and it's, as Graham said, it's like taking those small steps to actually include God in that. And by the way, remember, we, we have an enemy that's fighting against family. And so how the enemy gets in is can often can often be through that weakness of spirituality. But it, but it does get easier, eh? Hey, what? It gets easier, oh, like yeah. anything. Like oh, the more yeah. you choose, oh, okay, I don't I'm, think like that anymore. Yeah, neither, neither, not at all. And um, so it just takes, the enemy has a lot of, you know, the king part is leading well in your life or in your business or in your professional life, but the priest part, so I don't know, I don't know, but it's it, you've been made priests and kings by the grace of God. So it's like, okay, if I had to get good at getting good professionally or in business, just the same. But start small, just break the ice. Yeah, 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 yeah that's good. Just uh, just to finish off, yeah. because we really do need to yeah. finish. I think one of the key things is understanding that we have a heavenly Father. Yeah. And as Ashley said, uh, and others, I think Jared said something about it as well earlier, is that just embracing the heavenly Father dynamic in our life actually makes everything complete. Yeah, I love that. So, so that everything that you need, you can actually get it from God. Every every imperfection that you've had in the past and all of that in regards to the way you've been brought up, God is a perfect God. And 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 that sense of belonging, that sense of value, that sense of of uh, of you know all, all those things that you've you've needed, um, you can actually get in your heavenly Father. I remember one time God saying to me, "Stop calling me God." Why are you calling me God? My friends don't call me God. They call me Father. And I thought, wow, that's a bit of a, bit of a uh, dynamic, interesting dynamic. But he said, but to you, you address me as Father, for I am your Father, you are my child. I am your Father, you are my child. And I am and always will be. I am all you need. I am your Heavenly Father. I am your need for safety, security, acceptance, being understood and having that sense of dignity is found in me. You are my child and I love you. And I remember those words just ringing for a a period of time when I just wasn't really totally understanding what it was to know God in a, you know, in a fatherly way. And I think that's a great challenge for all of us. He is your heavenly father. He, He can be your heavenly father. Don't just call him God. That's, that's for everyone else, but not for you. You're his child. He's your dad. Who's your daddy? (laughs) Shall we pray for these guys? All right. So, Father, we just thank you for every opportunity that you give to us. Lord, we thank you that uh, for those of us who have children, who have teenagers, who now have adults, who have grandchildren, who have great-grandchildren. We thank You for the stages of life and we thank You for the roles we have to play in every stage. And Lord, I know a lot of people are at different stages here in this place. But I just pray, Lord God, that know what it is to really grab a hold of something this morning that empowers them to be a great, great parent, a great parent, of a great father, Mum's a great mum. Lord, help us to grab hold of the tools that you want to release to us. But greatest tool of all, God, is knowing what it is to know you as our Father. And I pray that there would be people here this morning just, just who need that opportunity 
just a step from the God factor to the Father factor. I pray right now, just your anointing, Holy Spirit, just come. Begin to just reveal to us what that means. Reveal to us all what that looks like. Just with every eye closed, every head bowed, just an opportunity right now just to know what it is to step over. It might be a bit of a hurdle for some, but that hurdle's worth leaping. It's a hurdle from God, the unknown, to Father, the known. And it's really by a decision, by an invitation in your own heart and in your own life. Father, I thank You that You can be my Father, my Heavenly Father, where there's been imperfection, even in my own life, God, I know You can bring perfection. Not that I'm perfect, but God, You are perfect and You make all things perfect. And I, I, I pray, Father, that You would be first and foremost in my heart and in my life and in my mind that I know what it is to be able to draw from You. Because otherwise, Father, I'm just empty and I have nothing to give. But with You, Father, I have everything to give. Give me strength. I thank You for all that You are doing in my life. I honour You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Brent. Thank you, everybody. Jared, are you sh- um, finishing this? Hey, I just had a... Um, I'm going to stick around at the end of the service because the Lord just told me at the start of this morning, there's someone with arthritis and He wants to heal you. There's someone with an arthritis, arthritic condition and there's someone with a heart issue and I believe God wants to heal you as well. So once we uh, close the service, I'm going to be just down the front. I'd love to pray for you and just uh, see healing today. God bless you, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.